All right, blockaders, you know what time it is. It's time to sit down with the man, the myth, the legend himself after a high day of clamming, Mr. Robin Vote. Let's sit back, relax, and make the jump into a galaxy far, far away. Man, rumor has it that galaxy's even out far past Dorchester. So we're going to go five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to Make the Jump here from the Brick City Blockade. Sitting across from me is the wonderful, I, and I'm telling you, I have the poster from the promo stuff from William Shakespeare's The Clone Army Attacketh. That's one of my favorites out of the series. It's Mr. Ian Dosher himself, of course. Ian, thank you so much for coming on Make the Jump, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's super exciting to have you on. Of course, uh, I've been reading the William Shakespeare uh, Star Wars series for, for quite a long time. I remember when the Clone Army uh, Attacketh came out. And to be honest with you, when I saw <laughs> Attack of the Clones itself, I was kind of like, well, this, you know, this is a very different take on the Star Wars. But the minute that you take the Shakespearean language <laughs> and you apply it to Star Wars, you get into this whole other realm of just feeling. And for you, Ian, when it came to writing these series of Star Wars books centered around the William Shakespeare, I guess you could say the gravitas in which William Shakespeare brings to literature, what was it for you that really attracted you to Star Wars into that style of voice? Well, I think for me, the, the attraction of combining the two, I mean, other than just loving both Shakespeare and Star Wars, um, is that in Shakespeare's style, you get to delve really deeply into the characters because mm -hmm. it's always going to give you uh, soliloquies from characters and, and there, you know, nothing is kind of left to the viewer's imagination. You always get to hear exactly how people are feeling or what they're planning or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I enjoy that because, because as a star Wars fan getting to, you know, sort of go into my favorite characters minds and, and sort of, you know, make up what might be motivating them in that particular moment, uh, has, has just been a lot of fun. I can imagine. I mean, just being able to sit back. Now, you seem like a Shakespearean type person. Where did that start for you with that? Were you always a big Shakespeare fan growing up, like as a kid? Not as a kid. Uh, it was. It started when I was a freshman in high school. Uh, I had I had good English teachers in my high school, and I was I was already a person involved in a lot of theater. And so, you know, here we were reading a play in English class, and you know, it, something about it just sort of captured my imagination. I loved the the language of Shakespeare. I loved the stories that he told. The first Shakespeare play we studied was Othello, uh, my freshman oh. year, and I loved Iago as a villain. Uh, and and so just sort of dove deeply uh, at the start into uh, the richness of Shakespeare, and and also really made a connection with the language. And mm. and you know, we before we started working on Shakespeare our teacher introduced the whole idea of iambic pentameter and different uh, poetic meter to us. And, and that all made a lot of sense to me. Uh, I just sort of clicked with me. And so, uh, so for all those reasons, and then also that it was around the same era that Kenneth Branagh was coming out with much ado about nothing and that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. So, so it was just a great time to be, you know, a young person becoming interested in Shakespeare. 
Absolutely. I mean, I imagine at that time you were probably probably much like me, a theater geek at times, you know, finding yeah. myself rather than enduring the academics of the high school life and the middle school life, trying to find ourselves on a stage and really trying to perfect our art on the on the theater stage. And uh, also the in-depth time spent in a library reading different types of literature and and really digging in deep into what styles exist out there. I know for me, the big thing was, and I had spent many summers at Phillips Exeter Academy, which is in Exeter, New Hampshire, and that's a, you know, they have a great theater program there. And I remember performing a couple pieces. Of course, I can't remember. That was the seventh grade. <laughs> with time and with uh, getting to my uh, crisp age of 24, um, you, you lose track of time, obviously. And uh, it was fascinating because you do get yourself lost in that style. You do find a way, and I'm sure with you, Ian, it was something that easily you could just keep going back to, even when you wanted to read something. And as we get older, it's it, William Shakespeare's style is always there for us. Do you feel the same way? I do, absolutely. And in, in fact, I mean, just just earlier today, I was uh, re-watching Looking for Richard, which is a, mm. an Al Pacino documentary about Richard III from back in the mid-90s. And I've seen it multiple times, but it is, it is that sort of, I mean... Shakespeare, there's a there's a comfort to coming back to it, um, you know, over and over, and and rediscovering things that you loved, and and again, sort of rediscovering uh, some of the stuff that that the first time around made me just go, oh my goodness, this guy's amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's, and that's such a great experience to have too. Now, obviously, I've gotten some of your background on the Shakespeare stuff, but I, I listen. Being a Star Wars podcast, I love finding out what the Star Wars backstory of people is because I feel like we all have our own little Star Wars story in a way, or we have a different way of being, like, you know, introduced to that galaxy far, far away. So what age for you, Ian, did Star Wars really become a part of who you are? I mean, really before I have firm memories of it. Uh, wow. I do remember being six and, be, and being in the theater watching Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, as one, probably, probably one of the first movies I saw in the theater uh, and, probably, and certainly my first Star Wars in the theater. Uh, and, and, but even, you know, before that and then certainly after that, you know, was watching the movies and was, you know, collecting all the figures and, mm. and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and it just grew up. I mean, my whole family... It was something that, that we loved and, and uh, you know, something that we all sort of shared together. And so to have my parents also sort of into it was, was yeah, I mean, just it was really something that was part of our family uh, my whole childhood. Oh, having that family dynamic of Star Wars, I mean, come on, there's nothing yeah. more you can ask for in life rather than yeah, having was, a family with that, you know? My, uh, my brother had... Uh, Empire Strikes Back wallpaper on his whole oh. in his whole room. Whoa. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty great. Oh, lucky duck too. Being able <laughs> to have that in his life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Chris Letty at the network here would be super jealous of that. But uh yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Star Wars does have a place in the family. And for you, Ian, I, I imagine especially with all the Star Wars, it's never been bigger than it is today, I feel. And it's amazing. You can't go anywhere without either seeing Han Solo on a Solo Cups or going to Toys R Us, unfortunately not there anymore, and, and picking up Star Wars action figures or Target. It's everywhere, man. And for you, I imagine, obviously, 
you sit back and you write these Shakespearean style novels around the Star Wars universe. Jedi The Last is your latest novel, which is out there for people to pick up right now at your local booksellers and at Barnes and Noble and other places. I imagine that's cool for you to go out and see your books on the shelves and then all these other fantastic parts of the Star Wars universe surrounding it. It is. I mean, it's kind of amazing, right, to be to be a, a Star Wars fan growing up and then to suddenly sort of get to be on the inside at least a little bit, right? And, yeah. And, uh, you know, getting to work with Lucasfilm and, uh, you know, communicate with them about about these manuscripts and that I've created and that sort of thing. Uh, it has been, yeah, I mean, for a fan, it's a dream come true, right? And and so uh, that's, yeah, it, it's there's really no no words to describe uh, how fun that is, you know, to, to, I mean, and things like, you know, those sort of jaw-dropping huge life moments, you know, like mm. Ian, Mc, Ian McDiarmid reading a, uh, one of my speeches from yes. Emperor Palpatine at Celebration a few years back, you know, it's like, wow, I just can't, you know, I could not have envisioned that this was going to be my life, you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> you, you had the freaking Emperor reading from your book. I mean, that is, that is pretty amazing. And it, being at Star Wars Celebration, I remember watching the live stream of that. And I was, and when he started reading the excerpt, I was like, Oh my goodness! Like, <laughs> what is Ian going through right now? It's seeing <laughs> the great Mister Ian McDermott sitting there reading from that. I mean, for for you, I mean, I can imagine that you take a step back and you look at all of it, especially as a Star Wars fan more specifically. And I've never had that as a podcaster. You kind of sit back and you talk about it, but when you have something that ends up becoming part of the formula of Star Wars, it's truly amazing to take a step back and look at that and. And obviously seeing your stuff on the shelves. I mean, for you specifically, Ian, and, and this is really getting in-depth into the, into the Star Wars mindset here, but which of the films for you, was it Return of the Jedi for you that really hit the mark? Like, Star Wars is something that I'm going to carry forward with me the rest of my life. Well, I mean, I mean I, I've always considered Jedi my favorite because, again, because of that sort of early exposure. And, you know, we had... Uh, on VHS, we had the making of the saga, which is oh, which yes. is really actually mostly about Jedi because of when it was produced. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know that there was ever a moment where I knew it was going to be sort of part of my life mm -hmm. forever. Um, uh, but it, it certainly was something that, like, I've never, you know, I, I don't know. It, looking back now, I, I realized that, like, even at times when I wasn't doing as much you know, with Star Wars, it was, it was there inside me, right? So that when I, when I sort of came back to it, uh, later on, you know, the, my love of it was just as fresh as it had been when I was younger. I mean, keeping that, that, uh, Star Wars love fresh can be difficult with all of it out there too. I mean, again, we, we walk through life every day and we see it right in front of us and, and it's thrown at us in so many different ways. Is there one aspect of writing these books that you truly enjoyed? Was it the manuscript piece, or is there one specific book that really sticks out to you as it, it was so much fun to write? I mean, what's been fun about about it has, well, it's, it's been two things. Certainly the writing process is, is consistently fun, and I have enjoyed uh, sort of pushing myself to, to do more and more sort of crazy things in these books, Mm -hmm. uh, th things where I sort of take a step back and say, I'm not even sure if what I'm about to attempt, if like I even can pull it off, <laughs> right? Uh, and then seeing if I can, you know, and, 
and also getting to, you know, I, I have really enjoyed hiding things throughout the books, uh, mm. Easter eggs for people to find. And so it's, it's just such a joy. Uh, somebody pinged me on Twitter yesterday, you know, because they'd found one of the one of the Easter eggs in the new book. And that's always a lot of fun, uh, you know, just sort of, uh, you know, hiding those things and then people finding them. And then also knowing that there are other things that nobody's going to find mm. because they're they're more personal, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, that's that's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you get to take a step back, and like, there's nothing much like screwing with the people who read your books. I mean, just kind of like be like, "Hey, go and find this." You know, there's little things in there that you can enjoy. Yeah, I love that, man. That that is so important, and especially to Star Wars fans too. I mean, when we take in content and we take in what Star Wars is, it's kind of like, well, there's always something more. That's what's so great about Star Wars. It, it, on the outside, it's a film, it's a book, it's it's a it's a something that somebody over at Lucasfilm has been working on and the story team has been really digging in depth with it, but there's always that message. And more recently on a Make the Jump episode, and I had talked about how Star Wars is all about story. It's the Skywalker story. It's it's now we're seeing this progress with Kylo Ren and we're seeing that is technically the Skywalker story still. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's amazing to take a step back and kind of say, all right, th this truly is in many ways what Shakespeare had written out himself, of course, with the help of many other people behind the scenes, much like Star Wars. And what's so great about that is that there's this consistent narrative that Star Wars, in many ways, and more recently, because there's been some negativity in the community surrounding this, and it's a consistent narrative of this is a family story, that Star Wars is always progressing in a way of taking characters and pushing it forward. I imagine for you being somebody who has now contributed to the Star Wars story in a very in a very different light, being able to bring it through the words of manuscripts and in the Shakespearean style. I imagine that's really cool for you, you know, when you go and see The Last Jedi and then suddenly you go and write Jedi The Last and taking those elements of family and taking those uh, stories that we've grown to love and then being able to have the freedom of saying, I can play around with this a little bit. That must be fun. It is. It is a lot of fun, and and it has uh, certainly for uh, the Force Awakens and uh, the Last Jedi. It has changed my experience of watching those those movies. You know, um, because because I am immediately starting to think of of uh, you know what I can do with this, especially with Last Jedi. I had a, I had a very short sort of turnaround time mm -hmm. uh, to to finish up the the manuscript, and so uh, you know, so that. Uh, it, it is it is fun. It's fun to have the the freedom that Lucasfilm gives me to uh, to play around with certain aspects of it. And I, you know, at this point, I sort of uh, if I have an idea to do something, I'll put it in, and I know that if it's one step too far, they'll they'll pull me back. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but uh, uh, but in general, they've they've let me do all kinds of stuff that that I wasn't sure if if they would let it fly. You know, and uh, yeah. And and that that I think is wisdom on their part, right? That that they sort of, I mean, they were the ones who originally, when I when I first when when Quirkbooks and I first proposed this idea to them, mm -hmm. uh, they were the ones who came back and said, you know, he's kind of not he's kind of not going far enough with this. Like he should really, as long as he's going to do this concept, he should really play with it and have more fun with it and that kind of thing. Wow. So they had they had okay. me revise some of the early scenes, and that's when I added R two D two speaking in English to the audience and, right. and things like that. Uh, you know. And, some of the stuff that I think really actually makes the the series work better as sort of just a, a like, hey, we're going to have fun with these movies um, sort of way. 
that's really cool. I mean, and that's stuff that, that is so cool to kind of take a, a backseat as somebody who runs a podcast and somebody who's a Star Wars fan to hear that, that your experience with Lucasfilm has, has been so much more open and it's so much more, you know, cause of course there's so much that happens behind the scenes with Star Wars. And it's, and it's great to hear that those creative freedoms exist in this world. You know what I mean? There, there's, yeah. there's, there's a lot more and you hear stories in the media and everything else from directors and other people. Oh, this studio, they didn't allow me to do this. They didn't allow me to have my freedoms. And to hear that, you've been able to experience such great freedoms with Lucasfilm it is so awesome. I mean, we're big fans of what Lucasfilm does here at the network and it's so great. I mean, overall as a star Wars fan to know that it's in such great hands that it's, it's pushing forward the story in the way that we love the most. And, and I have to, I have to say it. It's awesome to hear that from somebody who is creative mind and is working with them directly. So yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And it's been a consistently positive experience with them, uh, and that, that really has been uh, a lot of fun. And there have certainly been a handful of things that they've said, ah, "No, we can't, we can't do that," you know. But of course, uh, but in general, they have just been uh, a real joy to work with. That's awesome to hear. Now, Ian, one of the questions I always like to ask on Make the Jump, no matter who the guest is, is that when it comes to the Star Wars universe specifically. And I've always, in reading your books, I'm always kind of like, all right, how would Ian go on this question specifically? What direction would he take if I asked him this question? Because you've worked with so many different characters. I mean, you've basically broken down every, almost every single, well, other than Solo specifically, and probably Rogue One. I don't think you didn't work on anything with Rogue One, correct? That's right. Yeah. So you've really touched upon all the saga films mostly, so you really understand taking these characters and putting them into manuscripts if you were to take one specific character from your manuscripts or from one of the star wars films that you have seen which one do you see yourself as the most oh as as me being the most yes like the being you most like one of the characters <laughs> probably c3po really <laughs> explain I mean, more i'm curious I mean, if we're just sort of talking about being, you know, uh, kind of nerdy and and kind of, <laughs> you know, anxious or whatever, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I often get the question, you know, who who did you, who did you like? Who's your favorite character, right? Right. And that that was for me, like, it's always Han Solo. But like, I was never going to be Harrison Ford, you know. Like, that was <laughs> that was clear. I was way too much of a geek. You don't want to make cabinets for George. Right. 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 Exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm sticking with C3PO. That's a that's an interesting choice. You are one of the first people to have choose C3PO, and that's and that's really really cool because that's not one that you hear often. No, well, I did, I have heard people say R2D2, which is another interesting answer. Which yep. yeah, that, that I I wouldn't want to be stuck in a tiny little suit like that or in that droid uh, outfit necessarily. But so so C3PO for you, and that's interesting because. Is there is there a specific? I, I mean, obviously he's shown up in almost every Star Wars film to date, um, other than Solo. Really, uh, even the cameo in Rogue One was one that I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." Um, right. For you, I mean, what was your experience like with C three PO? Are you connecting that character to yourself because of the feelings, or, or was that a character that you've always followed along in your Star Wars fandom? No, no, I, I mean. Uh... It's not a character who I've necessarily been 
been wildly drawn to. I mm. guess I just think about sort of overall personality characteristics, right? Like, Interesting. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just never like, maybe, maybe it's mostly in contrast to my favorite, right? Like, like I'm never going to be as suave and cool as Han Solo. And I'm much more likely to be the nerd in the room uh, <laughs> who is, you know, geeking out over Shakespeare or musicals or Star Wars or whatever it is. Right. And like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, I just I just wanted to see if <laughs> if there was a real connection into one of the films or whatever else with with that character specifically. But um, really, along the lines of you know your latest novel, Jedi: The Last. Uh, more recently, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be picking up and reading it very soon. I'm very excited to pick it up. But I've heard great things about it so far from members of the network and from people who I know who have already started to really dig into it too. Now. The, the last Jedi for you, I mean, how cool was Luke Skywalker in that film? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I saw it uh, three days in a row, the first three days it, it opened. Wow. And, um, and so that was, you know, I was sort of trying to build up a quick familiarity with it. And by the third showing, you know, it was so fun to sit back and watch the audience's reaction to what was going to be happening. Mm. And, and, you know, when the final scene happens and, and, Everyone sort of realizes what's gone on and everything. You know, it's just like everybody is exploding into applause, you know, uh, with that. And uh, and it, it really is a kind of amazing moment, you know, especially, you know, for, for me, it's like with The Last Jedi, and this was true of The Force Awakens, too. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, upon first seeing it, it was sort of this this feeling of like, like I didn't even, I almost didn't even know what to think, right? Like, like it wasn't right. like I was blown away and happy and excited. It wasn't like I was super disappointed. It was just like, okay, that's what happens in this film. Now mm -hmm. I, now I know, right? Now I can start to process it. And then, and then upon repeated viewings, you know, was able to enjoy it more. Uh, but yeah, that that moment I think is is uh, I don't know. It's just such a fantastic moment and so well played by Mark Hamill. I think. Um, mm. You know, in terms of uh, just the 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 way he is uh, interacting with every character that he interacts with uh, in that in that final scene, I think is is just really well acted. The the one thing that stands out to me, I don't know if it stood out to you, Ian, in watching the Last Jedi, was the vulnerability of Luke Skywalker too. His his ability to kind of take a step back and say, you know what, I was a legend, I was this person that supposedly turned Vader back, and I had to deal with uh, my my nephew, and I had to deal with trying to please Leia and trying to turn him into something. That vulnerability piece, that's something that we also see in Shakespeare as well, that some of these characters are very vulnerable to decisions and are very vulnerable to their surroundings and their setting too. And what's really fascinating about that is is that when we see Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi and we see what Leia is going through and we see the progression of all these characters, uh, you know, that's what I'm excited about reading in Jedi The Last is is your take with the manuscript in the Shakespearean style on what happens in The Last Jedi itself because it does so many different things that Star Wars hasn't explored. That, that must have been fun for you in writing this novel because... There's so many different aspects that Ryan Johnson touches upon with this film that really are familiar in some ways, but are a different take on it. Do you, do you feel like in in your experience in writing Jedi: The Last was was that a major piece in kind of putting that together? 
Uh, yeah, it was. And, and you know, t touching on something you said a minute ago about Luke Skywalker and his vulnerability, you know, it's interesting. I think it, with Shakespeare, you tend to, you know, you either get the tragic characters who have some sort of hubris and then have some sort of big downfall because of it, mm -hmm. right? Or you have the, the comedic characters where maybe things are going on and they're misunderstandings, but everything works out okay in the end. Yeah. But with, with Luke Skywalker, you sort of end up end up with this character who who recognizes his own hubris, right? Mm. And, and recognizes the mistakes that he's made and 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 essentially uh removes himself from the situation before any further tragedy can happen. I mean, I guess you could say maybe he had his tragedy with the uh, sort of burning of the of the Jedi training uh, buildings and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, but um, but I, to me, it's, it seems different, right? It doesn't seem like a tragic character in this because because he has sort of realized his own faults and has mm. has secluded himself essentially to try to not cause any more damage you know and right. uh and then has this this you know great sort of reckoning you know where when ray comes and and he essentially realizes he's got to got to do something you know yeah he, he, you know he is he is still involved even if he doesn't think he is or doesn't want to be um and so the, yeah and, the, and so there is that aspect to it and the other thing i mean one of the things that's really new with last jedi is that it's really not a you know most of the other movies, you can either kind of say, like, wow, this has ended kind of, you know, like, on a really bad note. Like, things are really right. bad right now. Or you can say, things are really good right now. Like, this is great. You know, <laughs> it's it's on a high, right? We're all celebrating in Ewok Village. Uh, you know. <laughs> right. uh, but this one is so much more ambiguous, you know. I, I mean, there's this, there's this reunification of the, of the resistance and they're they've escaped, but they're down to a tiny number, and and so it's I, I will be fascinated to see where we go next. Yeah, I mean uh, we've been doing a lot of episode nine talk here at the network, and it's fascinating because we have J.J. Abrams wrapping up these films once again. The guy who brought us Force Awakens is the one closing it out too, and it, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, obviously we get the announcement of Billy D. Williams coming back into the episode nine picture, which is super exciting. And I kind of hearken it back to Return of the Jedi, you're, you're the the movie you spoke of earlier. And essentially, we bring Billy D. Williams back into the picture. I mean, a, a flashback between Billy D. and looking back at Han and everything, that, that would be absolutely great to see have happen in Episode Nine. And what a better person to have wrap it up than J.J., the guy who started it all. And, you know, J.J. is one of the best at bringing franchises back into the picture, too. And uh, for you, how how really excited are you for episode nine? Now that even Billy D. Williams has been announced to come back into the picture too. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 excited. I I think that I, I love these characters that we have been introduced to. Um, uh, Ray and uh, Kylo Ren really, I feel like, came into his own as a character with the Last Jedi. Yeah, um, and. Uh, I really enjoy Finn and Rose and, and Poe was much more developed in The Last Jedi. And True. so, I mean, all those things, you know, I think it will be fun to see uh, what they do with it. And actually, even to what extent they do, I mean, I, I realize that, that the assumption is that everything is going to be sort of uh, closed out and tied up with a bow. And right. but I do kind of wonder about that. I do kind of wonder, like, is that necessarily the, uh, you know... Is that necessarily where we're headed, right? For some sort mm. of 
nice happy conclusion or are we just gonna you know sort of i don't know i don't know open more floodgates i, I have no idea <laughs> yeah. uh but it will be but it will be so fun to see i like the idea of opening more floodgates with star wars jj <laughs> yeah. abrams is one of the best at doing it the force awakens opened up every single floodgate for everything that's happened so far so i would not be surprised if we don't see that happen with episode nine that we, yeah we maybe we get some conclusions to some stories and maybe we open up some more i mean that's yeah. the best part of what star wars does the story aspect of star wars that i that we always love and kind of gravitate towards uh when it comes to this franchise and contributing to that i imagine on your end as well has been such a great great venture and is something that you, you probably look at every day and are like, wow, <laughs> you know, there are more films and there's more TV shows and everything else. And, and your name is, is, is on there too, which is really cool. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. I mean, you know, this was not a, a twinkle in my eye, uh, even six years ago. And so, uh, you know, that this has all happened and has come together and that, I mean, it really has been life changing for me um in in so many ways and something that i'm i just feel so lucky that it has all uh, that i've been able to be a part of it ian before i let you go here on make the jump where can the good people find their copies of jedi the last and f maybe some stuff that maybe you'll be working on in the near future where can everybody find where you're at it's a little thing we call plug time here on the <laughs> network well, uh, you can find the books just about anywhere books are sold. They're uh, they're online on places like Amazon, uh, in bookstores. Uh, uh, you can buy them on Powell's.com. Support my local uh, big store. Nice. Um, and uh, I have a website that is uh, iandesher.com, and that I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's I'm easy to find because I have a unique name. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's that's where people can find me. And what am I working on? I'm working on uh, something that I can't talk about that will be revealed next year. Ooh, I love <laughs> I love the secrecy. That is what makes everybody so happy. No, I love it, man. Thank you so much for that little. You know, I, I listen. I, the fans love that, so thank you. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets. Check out the Brick City Blockade at www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. Up there on the website are the links to pick up Mr. Ian's books. That's right, Jedi The Last is available across the intergalactic web, so make sure to pick up your copy today before they are gone. I like to say that because it adds a little bit of a marketing twist to it. And also... <laughs> Please make sure to check out The Brick City on iTunes, Stitcher, all those great podcasting apps. Subscribe, rate, and comment. That's what brings on the epic guests. That's what has Ian on here. That's what brings on the unity, is community, the friendom, and everything we love about Star Wars. Ian, thank you so much for coming on The Blockade, my friend. A fantastic chat, and best of luck going forward. Thank you so much, Robin. Guys, and as we always say at Make the Jump, enjoy your evenings, be safe, be well, and may the Force be with you. Always. See, that wasn't so bad. If you must listen to a podcast, it may as well be Brick City Blockade. May the force be with you always.